Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week's episode was recorded live with a live audience at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York. We just want to let you know before we get into things that this week's musical guest, the Pitch Black Brass Band, has a little bit of strong language in the songs on the show. In case you're listening with kids and you don't want them to hear it. But seriously, they were really great. Tonight from Brooklyn, shut your drawer hole. (laughs) Rob brings the case against his girlfriend, Caitlin. He's tired of her clutter and her tendency to leave drawers open. Caitlin is a student who also works. She wants Rob to cut her a little slack. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise, metaphorically, (laughs) as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and delivers the obscure cultural reference. In my father's many mansions, on the uppermost floors reside the righteous few who've always closed their dresser drawers. In perdition's lonesome tenements, The damned dwell in their caves, where the dresser drawers hang open like freshly ransacked graves. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, please swear them in. Please raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he does not believe in drawers, preferring satchels? I do. I do. Very well. Judge Hodgman? <laughs> That's absolutely right, Bill. Jesse Thorne. I don't, I don't have a, a, a bureau in my bedroom, just a series of sacks. <laughs> sacks and hooks, just like the Amish had. I'm not proud. <laughs> Rob and Caitlin, for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors, uh, can either of you identify the piece of culture I referenced as I entered the courtroom? Caitlin, you have been brought here against your will. Uh, by Rob, your uh, husband, is that correct? No, boyfriend. Boyfriend. Boyfriend, <laughs> boyfriend with whom you live, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just making note of that. <clears throat> uh, you have the opportunity to guess first or to make Rob guess first. Which shall it be? I'm going to make Rob guess first. As a classic maneuver. Everyone does it. And I mean everyone. <laughs> Mix it up next time. Litigants for the second case. But no, though I prejudged you, I am not prejudiced. I shall take your guess. What is your guess? Uh, I'm going to guess Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman of Brooklyn, New York. Pandering. That's what that is. Local pandering. All right, Caitlin, you've heard your guess. That's in the guess book. What is your guess? Uh, It sounded like a Robert Frost poem. Robert Frost poem, because that's a poet, right? No, it, it did really sound... Uh, I, I don't really know many poets, but I do know Robert Frost. Sure, he's, yeah, and, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounded like... It's not my field. It, re- it, remi- it reminds me, just recently, uh, for those of you who follow my Instagram feed, at John Hodgman, because Hodgman was taken by some jerk. <laughs> I was down at the Faulkner uh, bookstore in Pirate's Alley, New Orleans, and I overheard someone saying, look at that, collected poems of Robert Frost. 
I have that. <laughs> hey, look at that. Elements of style. I have that too. <laughs> the saddest brags of all time. <laughs> but all guesses are wrong. Judge Hodgman. Yeah. English 101 syllabus. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> all guesses are wrong. So when this case was submitted to me, you may not know this, Rob, but your non-wife, Caitlin, <laughs> beseeched, please, please do not choose lyrics to a Mountain Goats song because Rob will probably get it. Because, according to Caitlin, Rob, you are an expert. Incorrect. Well, and, and judge, to be fair, secondarily also, because over 60% of these are the lyrics of Mountain Goat songs. That's true. As is this one. These are lyrics to a Mountain Goat song. Rob, can you guess the title of this Mountain Goat song? I'm going to go with drawers. All guesses are wrong! <laughs> because it has no title. Because when Caitlin said, don't let it be a Mountain Goat song, I texted my friend, John Darniel <laughs> and said, I know you're on tour right now with your band, the Mountain Goats, and are probably very busy, but would you please write lyrics to a new song that involve open drawers? And John said, I am very busy. I'm not sure if I can get to it. And I said, no problem. I've got a backup in case you need an E.B. White quote. In case, don't worry about it. But then five minutes later came those lyrics. And then two minutes later came a whole other set of lyrics that I didn't have time to read to you. That's how John Darnielle does it. So, we have to move on and hear this, uh, this case. Uh, Rob, you believe that Caitlin, your non-wife with whom you live here in Brooklyn? Uh, no, Upper West Side, Manhattan. Upper West Side. Thank you for making the trip, by the way. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. From away, we have Rob and Caitlin. Uh, and Rob, uh, you say that Caitlin is too messy and she leaves the drawers open. Is that correct? Uh, that's saying the least. The many other things get left right. open. I say disheveled. the least, and then you say the most. Let's elaborate, please. Sure. Thank you for taking the cue. No problem. <laughs> this is this is a letter he wrote to his mother during the Civil War. Let the record show that Rob has opened a piece of paper that has a few ideas for logos for his metal band. Yeah. It looks a little bit, from my point of view, like something that was found in Kevin Spacey's uh, journal in Seven. <laughs> but go ahead. We, we do not grade on penmanship here at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. So, um, Caitlin's not dirty or unhygienic, but um, she's totally fine with living amongst a lot of clutter and disarray. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the, the nature of, of the clutter is very distinct. Like, she just will open a drawer, not shut it, open a cabinet, not shut it. Um, now, this is why I wanted to hear this case. Caitlin, is this accusation true? Because if it's true, 
That's bonkers. <laughs> Just so you know where I'm coming from. And I won't recuse myself because I have been looking for vengeance on this subject since I lived in college with a woman named Theo who left every cupboard open every time. And I kabonked my head into those cupboards all the time. It seems to me a simple part of the social contract with your furniture that if you open it, you complete the cycle. Do you leave drawers open and... That's my question. <laughs> yes. But it's, it's not on purpose. It's not because I want... Are you saying your thoughtlessness is not on purpose? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, 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 have, I have a lot happening that, that tends to distract me when I'm doing literally anything. Mm-hmm. And I do close more drawers than I leave open. <laughs> But at, at your house? <laughs> or are you going elsewhere and closing other drawers to make up the gap? Generally speaking, yeah. Uh, what's going on in your life that's so distracting that you can't close a drawer? Well, I am a full-time student uh, in a... All right. Oh, I'm a full-time student, and I also have two jobs, and oh, I am right. involved in a lot of, uh, like, political student organizing as well. Uh, what is your, what, a, a graduate student, I presume? No, so I'm actually a returning undergraduate student because oh, wow. I never did that when I was the right age. You didn't take any college at all? I did, but I dropped out. There's and, no such thing as the right age to go to college. If, as I do, you believe in a love of lifelong learning. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Caitlin, you. I would like to hear a little bit more about your journey. Uh, you took a little bit of college when you were uh, graduated from high school, right? Yes. And where and what college did you uh, uh, matriculate upon? So I I uh, will refer to myself as a, a collector of college credits uh, at this. various different at various different institutions uh, across the Northeast. Um, I started at a place called Albright College in Reading, Pennsylvania. Don't know it. That I stayed there for one semester. Sounds like a scam. It might have been. Mm-hmm. And then I transferred to Temple University in Philadelphia. Sure. And I stayed there for one semester. And then I took one class at a community college. And then I took several classes at Ramapo College in Mawa, New Jersey. Mawa. Mawa. One of the great township names of all time. <laughs> and now I am a student at Columbia University. That sounds fantastic. And so... What, what, to what do you attribute your wandering, your educational wanderings? Did you always have an idea of what you wanted to do? Or was your mind changing? Or was there another motive? No, it was more just that I wasn't happy at the schools with the academic programs or the really anything about them I didn't like. Right. Uh, they're wonderful places. I mean, you weren't happy with, all, with Albright College, which was basically a tent in the middle of a field? <laughs> With that some is, carnies wandering around, taking your chicks. That is very accurate. No offense to any alumni of Albright College, I'm sure, is a fine uh, learning institute. By the way, really good job conjugating alumni. <laughs> Just now. <laughs> I do what I can. Occasionally. Uh, and so when you went... Just so I can get a sense of your whole journey, when you matriculated at Albright uh, Tent School... 
your major was probably going to be snake handling. Yeah. It was going to be filmmaking. Filmmaking. And now you're at Columbia studying... Politics. Politics. Mm -hmm. And uh, how far away are you from your undergraduate degree? I will be finishing in May. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. (laughs) And without inquiring too directly towards your age, how how long has this journey been from... From first semester, first year to graduation this year, would you it's, say? It's okay. I'm comfortable with my age. I'm 30 years old. And well done. Yep. <laughs> I will be graduating at Fantastic. 30. And uh, have you enjoyed yourself up there at Columbia? Oh, yes. I love it there. It's wonderful. You're, and you're also involved with a lot of extracurriculars? Yes, that is correct. And, what, and explain what that is to me. So I do a lot of stuff with the political science department. Um, I am the president of the political science honor society, and I was, <laughs> and I was uh, yeah. previously uh, the president of just the general major, uh, the major club. Um, I also do a lot of. Uh, I'm, I'm the one of the leaders of the Columbia University Students for Hillary. And, And just generally a lot of stuff surrounding civic engagement and student voting and getting involved with local government. Fantastic. And what will you do when you get your bachelor's degree? I don't know. Right. <laughs> but if you had an idea, if you had to, if you, I mean, maybe take another 10 years to just sort of drift around for a while. I actually hope to work uh, immediately after graduating. I would love to do something with global development, mm-hmm. um, with... Um, I'm currently have a, one of my jobs is in that field, so right. I really am enjoying that, and I would like to pursue that more. You know, you know that an appearance on the Judge John Hodgman podcast is considered to be a fast track to the Bilderberg Group. Ooh. <laughs> so get ready to get some calls. I hope your resume is printed out, and that your uh, uh, your human lizard uh, qualifications are <laughs> in order. Very good. Yes. Let the record show she attempted to uh, remove her human guys. But these people are not ready for that yet, so I stopped it. So, Rob, uh, this is a, you have a fascinating girlfriend. I know. May I ask, uh, what is your educational history? You went to some college for four years and then decided you would work uh, at a website? <laughs> that is correct. Ah. What is your age, if not 30? 29. You're 29, and you live on the Upper West Side because Caitlin is attending Columbia, or you, are, you have a work up there? That's right. We, uh, we live in a campus apartment, not a dorm, but nope. a uh, campus-owned apartment. Of course. On, on, on what street? 114th. 114th. You know, I used to live on 104th Street in Columbus. Oh. Yeah. You ever go to Coronet Pizza? <sighs> yes. <laughs> There's a point. I don't, I don't need your judgment. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about Jesse, Coronet Pizza on Broadway and Street. Uh, I remember it so well. Uh, the pizza, each slice of pizza is as large as my bench. <laughs> Fantastic. Why did he greet that news with a wistful sigh? Because a large slice of pizza does not a good slice of pizza make. I, this court disagrees with you. <laughs> There's no good slice in that neighborhood. It's really terrible. He seems like you have a lot of complaints about a lot of things. 
Mostly food related. Did you attend a four-year university? I did. And what was that, I may ask? Emerson College in Boston. Emerson College in Boston. Fanta- and uh, communications or stand-up comedy? <laughs> That's a legitimate question. Um, communications. Communications. And what, it, and what is your job now? Uh, I'm a copywriter. Copywriter at a company? Yes. All right, good. And may the record also show that you are wearing an old-timey uh, sports hat of some kind. What is the, uh, to me, it's a J and a C. Is that uh, the baseball team of Jesus Christ? It's uh, the Jersey City Giants. They were a, a team that existed in the 1950s, and then uh, they were the farm league for the, the Giants. I can tell you want to talk about this all night, sir. <laughs> Great news, so do I. Let's get into it. I have to say it's a very handsome hat. So how long have you guys been living together in uh, university-owned housing? So we've been living in university housing for a little more than two years, but we've been living together in other apartments for about three and a half years. Okay, and Rob, has this always been a problem for you, Caitlin's untidiness? It's always existed, but it's not really been a, 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 an issue that affects my life until we moved into this apartment, which is significantly smaller than our previous apartment. And Rob, I believe, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Rob, could you describe, if I, if I were to walk into your apartment on a typical day, what might I find open a jar or askew? Um, um, <laughs> it's that great party game. <laughs> You can pick three people. Open a jar or a skew. Um, uh, Ricky Gervais, open a jar or a skew. All right, go ahead. There's a desk that is uh, to your immediate left as you enter the apartment, and then usually the cabinet of that, well, not usually, but frequently the cabinet of that will be open, possibly also the drawers. Kitchen, there might be some drawers open, and also uh, bedroom, there might be some dresser drawers open. Now, Caitlin, there could be a perfectly reasonable explanation for all of this. Are you putting away clean sheets, or perhaps looking for a place for a baby to sleep in a circa 1910 tenement? Frequently, I will open a drawer, and I'll leave it open because I will be needing to go back to it multiple times, and it seems mm-hmm. like an And once excess... it's closed, <laughs> that's the end of that. Well, it seems like excess work. It, it's, more, it's more effort to, like, if you're going to be going in and out of it, you leave, you leave it open. Uh, and then frequently... You're um, doing, like, a reverse Fitbit thing, where you... <laughs> you're but, trying to minimize your steps. Yes, uh, and then frequently uh, I have get pulled away from whatever the task that I'm doing, um, either because something is demanding my time or it's because I get distracted with something else that I have to do. Uh, so I, I... You're too busy. You're too busy to close a drawer. I got yes. it. Okay, Rob. I'm too busy to remember to close the drawer. I understand. Rob, you entered some... You have some evidence that you want to present to the court? Sure. Visual evidence? I, I submitted it, yes. All I right. have it with me. Uh, Bailiff Jesse, let's see the evidence. We'll enter this as Exhibit A. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. And I'm not going to bother to turn around until I know that it's up there. Is it up there, guys? Thank you very much. I'm just trying to minimize my steps. You could have known that it was up there by the disturbed gasp that just came out of the audience. Okay, what I see here are some ripped up envelopes on top of a butcher block counter. Uh, what, are you, what are we seeing, Rob? It's actually on the floor. 
Oh, the floor, excuse me. I'm sorry. In my house, I keep an oriental rug on top of our counters. I, I should preface and say that um, in, in anticipation of the podcast, Caitlin seemed to try to minimize the clutter, um, but I still found a lot of stuff leading oh, up so to... Oh, this so is, this is post-minimalization. That's right. I see. Very well. Let's see the um, next slide, please. So this is a, a water bottle that's been there for about a week. <laughs> and by there, you mean where? It's on our um, bathroom sink, it, right in, like, prime right. elbow-knocking-over space. Right. And prime water bottle space, of course, in yeah. anyone's home. You also managed to sneak in some buzz marketing for Myers Clean Day and water pick <laughs> and reach toothbrushes. Uh, all right. So that, how come that water bottle is there all the time? We, before we look at the next slide, yeah. can I just indicate that in this uh, apartment they have six toothbrushes? <laughs> That. You know what? I appreciate your careful eye, Bailiff Jesse. Forget about the water bottle. Why do you guys have so many toothbrushes? Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Six manual toothbrushes and two electric toothbrushes. And one water pick. Answer, what is the reason for that? I honestly don't know. Have you ever... We have, have you... very good dental hygiene. How many... Okay... Caitlin, how many times a day do you brush your teeth? Like two or three. Two or... Now, all right, now you said the socially acceptable answer. What is the actual answer? No, really, probably three. Okay. And why do you have so many toothbrushes and, and electric and all that kind of stuff? Well, one of them, the, the blue one up front is my travel toothbrush that uh -huh. I'll bring with me. Travy uh, tooth. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, the other, the other ones, I'm not sure. I have a theory. Go on. Uh, I think we just have put left a bunch of toothbrushes there that we've used in the past because we think it looks cooler in that little rack right there. You're right. It does yeah. look pretty cool. <laughs> Next slide, please. If anybody here, not all right. Here, if anybody here works for Dwell Magazine, call us after, and we'll hook you up with that toothbrush picture. So here we have a set of drawers. Not only are they open, but they're open in an almost Aztec step pyramid <laughs> array. Is this your tribute to Chichen Itza? <laughs> What's going on here, Caitlin? Mornings are difficult for me. <laughs> so when I'm getting ready, uh, I usually will wear more than one outfit before I leave the house. And... This is the byproduct of that. In what way? Wait a minute. You wear more than one? You try on a bunch of outfits? Yes. Okay. How many on balance? As many as uh, toothbrushing sessions? <laughs> I would say two. Two or three? Two yeah, or right. Three. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Next slide. Whoa. <laughs> now here we see what I can only describe as a cold cream cairn. Three bottles of moisturizer stacked on top of each other, and then a very a, another electric toothbrush trying to stay incognito behind them. So I'm not an electric toothbrush. I'm 
I'm just a tall thing in a pink hat. Well, how could I be a toothbrush? I'm, I'm standing behind this tower of cold cream with a wadded up piece of Kleenex at my feet. I certainly wouldn't be a toothbrush. Next slide, please. Now you come to the pizza box, Karen. Uh, Rob, you're incapable of picking this stuff up and... Um, I'm very capable, and in fact, I picked it up right after I took the photo. Do you have any, I mean, you're a student, and, yes. and Rob, you have some job or whatever it is. <laughs> I presume you, you don't have someone helping out with the cleaning around the house at this time no, in, we've, in your lives. We've gotten, uh, we've, you know, paid for cleaning services here and there, maybe twice in, in this apartment, right. but that's but they were, each time they've refused to return. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, how many more slides do we have? Uh, I'm not sure. That was it. All right, good. Somehow I knew. So what would you have me order if I were to find in your favor, Rob? Um, I would order that Caitlin becomes more diligent about um, picking up after herself because a lot of this stuff can be remedied in like less than 10 seconds. I would also maybe order more of a, a deeper dive into um, organization uh, uh, via um, maybe some learnings from uh, the life-changing magic of tidying up or other such How many such copies literature. of that book do you have at your house? There's one at the moment. Five of them stacked on top of each other with a toothbrush hiding behind it? Um, Rob, uh, Caitlin, I, I don't want to be personal, but do you think that um, you will continue cohabiting for much longer in your lives? Absolutely. And uh, may, maybe moving towards uh, a legal partnership called marriage? Certainly. And have you proposed? No. And <laughs> is this kind of an ultimatum? <laughs> no. No. All right. I think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. Please rise. I'm, I'm going go, to go into my chambers and, and take a little nap on, on my nest of toothbrushes. And I'll be back in a moment to give you my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. <laughs> Rob, how do you feel living in a house like this? Um, I feel most of the time, baseline, fantastic. Love Caitlin very, very much. But uh, sometimes it does add some stress to, to, my, to my life. Yeah, Caitlin... I guess the part that I'm not understanding here, and I hope that you can help me, is the physical process of uh, taking something out of a cabinet while leaving the cabinet open. So I'm going to mime something, and I want you to tell me where I've gone wrong. <laughs> so I'm reaching to the cabinet. I'm going to get a glass for a glass of water. I'm reaching to the cabinet. I've grasped the handle now. Are we all clear? Mm -hmm. Samesies? Yes. Okay. I'm drawing it open. 100% the same? Gotcha. I'm reaching in to grab a glass. Yes. I've pulled the glass out. This is where you're going to go wrong. <laughs> because if the cabinet stays open, something has happened to pull you away from the cabinet. To but my hand is on the cabinet. My hand's still on the cabinet. My hand hasn't left the cabinet, Caitlin. What's that? The phone rang. <laughs> I have to register some voters? 
let the audio record show that in each case, as I turned around, I closed the cabinet. <laughs> Almost effortlessly. <laughs> well, we'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say about all of this. Please rise, metaphorically, as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Caitlin, I, I, uh, I admire greatly your journey uh, and your, your commitment to uh, not committing to one course of study or another until you really knew what you wanted to do. And I think it's an, uh, I admire the fact that you took your time and figured it out. And then obviously when you were ready to return and uh, be graduated uh, from uh, college, uh, you uh, aspired to and reached arguably the highest level to go to an Ivy League university here in New York City. You did a good job, and I think you're gonna to continue to do good jobs in the future. And I don't doubt that you are super duper busy, um, and you got a lot on your mind that is more important than clothes and drawers. That is a small, petty thing that only someone who went straight through college and got a job would care about. <laughs> and you know, of course, the court advises against cohabitation uh, before marriage largely for this reason. Living together, and look, it's not, it's not a moral issue, you know what I mean? Living together is a super drag. <laughs> <laughs> Living together requires a tremendous amount of accommodation of other humans that none of us wants to make. <laughs> you have to suddenly be, you have to merge your own, your different standards of cleanliness. You have to merge your sleep schedules into one disgusting fart-filled bed. You have to, you have to merge, essentially merge your finances because all of a sudden you have to buy groceries together and pay bills together and you get to enjoy the terrible financial partnership of marriage without any of the legal protections. I've, this is all a matter of record on the podcast. Obviously you haven't looked it up. And you have to merge your habits of leaving pizza boxes in front of the refrigerator versus cleaning them up. And this is frustrating because what ends up happening is that the person who is more tidy ends up uh, managing the environment uh, more and resenting the other person. And I, wouldn't, I would be lying to you if I didn't say I had some personal experience with this. <laughs> uh, because indeed, I married a person whose standards of tidiness are not my own and it has been a lifelong struggle, and I love that person very much, but shoes belong in the closet. <laughs> but the record showed that Caitlin has never heard of uh, shoes going into a closet before in her life. What concerns me more than even the unclosed drawers is the incredible number of toothbrushes in your home. You're putting, you can speak, Caitlin, if you have to, you can jump in there if you need to. Are you saying that's Rob, that's all Rob? I do believe, yes, they are all Rob's. Are you one buying all those? One of them is mine. No, no, one of them is yours and the rest are Rob's? Yes. I'll be honest, I, I didn't even realize those were there, so that's, <laughs> that's maybe something I need to work on. I think you both need to work on things. Insofar as the subject of this suit... I am ordering you, Caitlin, to close drawers. And that is a basic part of humanity that I think you need, <laughs> you need to embrace. 
but I will say for both of you, it is time to read the uh, everyday magic of tidying up and touch each one of those toothbrushes <laughs> and determine whether it sparks joy or not. <laughs> whether or not you have different standards of tidiness, neither of you deserves to live amid garbage on the floor or wadded up toilet paper or tissue paper underneath piles of pond cold cream on the counter. Go ahead, Caitlin, go ahead. Well, the, it, there's not a lot of garbage. He, those photos were selectively taken. Yeah, to... he took pictures of the garbage. Yes. <laughs> but that is a very unusual situation. We, it's usually not, you know, usually it's books that he complains about. It's like books well, the, and notebooks. The weird, and... the weird thing about clutter is that you don't, you, you, you don't see it. It becomes um, something that you don't notice anymore the more you live with it. And even Rob didn't realize, oh my God, I got 45 toothbrushes in this house. <laughs> like the more you get used to it, the more you don't see it. But I think that in my opinion, it still affects you and your state of mind. And when you leave things around on the floor and you leave drawers open and you leave your whole world in disarray, the more you are inclined to feel like my whole life is in disarray, I don't have time to close these drawers. I think it's a feedback loop. I think it will be easier in your lives, although I'm not sure that you will ever have the exact same standards of tidiness, if you close those drawers, and Rob, you got rid of some of those toothbrushes. <laughs> if you got a little less of that visual clutter out of your lives, I don't think this would be as much as a conflict. So insofar as the suit was against Caitlin, for not shutting drawers, I do find in Rob's favor, but you've got to get rid of some toothbrushes. Decompost, you guys. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgson rolls out of it. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob and Caitlin. Thank you, Rob and Caitlin. You know, Judge Hodgman. Yes. It's not just us on this show. We also have a very able musical guest. And I had a conversation backstage with one of the members of the band. Uh, he said, well, what kind of songs would you like us to play on the show tonight? Right. I'm, I'm always glad to help. I said, look, play what you love to play. Uh, and just know that if you want to play something sweet and tender, don't feel like it's out of place in the context of a comedy show. Our audience is a you know, thoughtful, caring audience. They're going to they're love it no matter what it is. Right. And he said, okay, cool. Usually we just go hard. <laughs> and I was like, all right then. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to find out that Pitch Black Brass Band does go hard. You have seen them on the Chris Gethard Show, Summer Stage, Lincoln Center, all over Brooklyn. And right now you're going to hear them on this very stage. Please put your hands together for the Pitch Black Brass Band.
You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. 
Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Shall we get on with the cases, Judge yeah, Hodgman? We have some friends of the show here tonight. Oh, my goodness gracious, yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, Judge Hodgman, uh, do you remember episode 186, the Commune-ish manifesto? Yes, I believe that uh, featured Jenny and Aaron. Yeah, why don't we bring Jenny and Aaron up to the stage and see how yes, they're doing? Please. Jenny and Aaron, ladies and gentlemen. Jenny and Aaron... Uh, you live in a, in a communal living situation, is that correct? Yes, we do. You both have husbands. We do. And you both have children. No, only Aaron does. Only Aaron has husbands. Okay, uh, has children. Jen- Jenny shares mine. Right, okay, so you share, you share the children. Yes, no, we don't. Sure, you share everything. <laughs> no, no, just the children. You share everything in the commune. <laughs> do you share your, your gorp and textured soy protein? Definitely. Okay, and where is the commune again? New Jersey. New Jersey. And what it is, is it's a house. It's a house. And, you, and you're two married couples who are sharing resources. But for a while, if I remember correctly, you were, you were a little self-conscious about uh, explaining this to the, the, the casual acquaintances in your life. And so you lied, right? Aaron lied. Aaron, Aaron lied. lied. Aaron would say what? What was your lie? That she was my sister, or I really didn't know what to say, or my right. kid's aunt. Right. You told different lies because yes. you wanted to be caught. Yes. <laughs> yes. And sometimes I pretended I didn't know her. So you go, so go to school and say, Jenny is, Jenny is my sister, or she's my mother, or she's my sister, or she's my mother. I never Forget called, it, school system. It's New Jersey. I never, yeah. I never called her my mother. People just assumed. Whoa. <laughs> Commune is over. Yeah. Throwing shade is a part of your communal lifestyle, I take it? Yes. 
Uh, yeah, when, do you, when, when one of you burns another, do you guys both take care of the burn? <laughs> yeah, we share the aloe. Right, right? all right, share, share the aloe. <laughs> Uh, and I ruled that you should stop lying and own your own truth, and is that what happened? That's exactly what happened. Erin did a wonderful job. The other day, she was telling uh, a, new, a mom that she met at school that I was her friend, but then she said, and she was going to homeschool my kid for a while, so then we sounded weird again. <laughs> she was so close. Uh, were you going to homeschool Erin's kids? Yes, that was on the table. One of the kids. Are you, she started, she just... Quit. <laughs> is that so? Where is the aloe? Yes. <laughs> because she enrolled him in school. Oh, okay. <laughs> she wasn't very good. Jenny, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Not just aloe. We're going to need all kinds of unguents. <laughs> this is how Jonestown started. <laughs> In any case, you are now living in the light of truth, as Father Hodgman told you to do. Absolutely, sir. I have not received an invitation to come and wear robes and teach you. It's in the mail? Okay. <laughs> you know that I refuse to receive mail. That's oh, not... Oh, that's what happened. That's, that's how they get my thoughts. <laughs> but now things are more or less in order, even though there's a, there's a consistent burn rate between the two of you. It's, <laughs> yes. Uh, the communism balance, and you're telling the truth, and you're not lying about your situation. And Absolutely. Have there been incidents? Have there been situations where the, the truth led to difficult circumstances? Have you had to explain yourself? We don't do that very often. We just let it lay. You yeah. don't talk to others? <laughs> no, no, no one will talk to us. Yeah, the judge last time said, you don't have friends in New Jersey and you never will, and that's true. Yeah, no one will talk to us. Whoever that judge was, a very wise man. <laughs> it's worked out well. Like, they said that Jenny can volunteer at school and her husband can volunteer for the Boy Scouts. They, if they want to, but they don't. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, everyone... Was that in question, honestly, because of your unusual living arrangement? Or did you just fear that it, it was in yeah, question? Yeah, we feared it, but right. it wasn't necessarily yeah. in question. Yeah. Issue, no. Are the two of you still Lady Rotarians? <laughs> no, Aaron did try to join various... Well, a pyramid scheme and then some strange clubs, but... We're <laughs> 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 not Rotary members. Aaron, <laughs> what pyramid scheme did you... What pyramid scheme was it that would not have you? <laughs> like, you know what? Never mind. We don't want your money. It You're was, in a commune. No, thank you. It was related to essential oils. <laughs> so, yeah. Go I, on. I knew within, like, 24 hours I should not have done it, but I did But it. what is it that you did? I paid them. <laughs> you what? Like, I bought into the... You bought into the essential yeah. oils and distribution And then I was supposed scheme? to sell it to someone else, and they sell it to someone else, and they sell it to someone else. Mm -hmm. I have not sold it to anyone. Je I, I realized I'm true. But will you be Je available between shows this evening? <laughs> yeah. Jenny, as the obviously uh, more mature sister wife, why didn't you stop Erin? I did. I tried to stop her. I told her not to do it, and she didn't listen, and she's her own person. How did you even... This is... How does this come... How does this happen that... You're like, this is a good idea. I'm going to sell essential oils. Did you answer an ad in the back of Grit magazine? What's going on? Well, I hadn't really fully embraced your statement that we, won't, we don't have friends and we never will. So someone approached you. Yeah. And Who approached you? Some mom with a library. Oh. Her kid was crying. And then, you know, she's like, oh, you can put this on your kid and they'll never, they'll sleep better at night. 
I can't put it on my kids. I bought it and I can't put it on my kids. That's... I really, I really want to see a 13 episode drama on Hulu about your weird, your weird township. Yeah, I feel like this could be the next The Slap. All right. But at least now that the pyramid scheme is over and the lying is Mostly, stopped, yeah. you guys are in, are in balance. Are there any other disputes that I can we solve? We have one quick one that Aaron is still upset about from last December. Uh, her husband and I went to a holiday party together. Uh-huh. Makes total sense, right? Wait a minute. Her husband and you <laughs> right. um, went to a party together. Right. Right. And um, they had gift bags. It was, it was one of those out, fan- You guys made out a little bit. <laughs> No. And, um... Why did you go... I'm just kidding. No, we did not, sir. Why did you go to a holiday party with Aaron's husband? Well, Aaron couldn't go. She was babysitting the kids. They were sick. And my husband had to work. So he was the last person available. I see. Okay. So while her kids were sick with fever, (laughs) like, well, Uh your husband and I are going to go... Where was the party? Uh... In Greenwich Village? Is that a real place? Yes, right? Okay. Yes. Well, I've seen it in movies. <laughs> Your husband... I'm going to go see the big city for the first time. Your husband is taking me. It was a vodka He party. tells me that we're allowed to celebrate Christmas this year. <laughs> All right, so, so what we- happened? Aside from the swingers aspect of this... What happened? So we went to the party, and it was one of those fancier parties, and they had gift bags. Oh. And so we, it was a vodka party, and we had too much vodka. It was a vodka, vodka. party? <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was sponsored by a vodka company. We had too much vodka, and we forgot to get the gift bag. And when we got home... And by gift bag, you mean the bag was glass and was full of vodka? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Yes. When we got home, Aaron had already researched the party online and knew there were gift bags. It's the saddest thing in the world. <laughs> exactly. She's just all just, you all you hear in the house is click, click, <laughs> with a single tear. Click, click. <laughs> I thought for sure they were coming home with all kinds of great stuff to give to sure. me because yes. I was to contribute to the family hoard. Yeah, right. Yes. Aaron loves free stuff. And free alcohol. And so um, we came home, we forgot the gift bags, and she is still upset about it. She's so mad about it. She's looked at, she shows us pictures of other people enjoying the things from the gift bags. Like, I'm sorry. What was in the gift bag, Aaron, since you researched it? Socks. <laughs> and, a sw- I feel like, and a sweater, yeah. and like a hat, and I vodka. I feel like Aaron's weird obsession saved a social media manager's job. <laughs> likes. They were like, yes. Yeah. The fact that Aaron researched the gift bag and knows that it contained at least socks and probably, although she doesn't want to admit it right now, knows every other item that was in the gift bag. Absolutely. To me, I think suggests a level of care that needs to be rewarded. You took her husband to Greenwich Village for, for a gin party. Excuse me, a vodka party. For, let's be honest, an episode of Mad Men. That's right. <laughs> You, you have to go into your own private savings. Do your husbands allow you to keep some money for yourself? They do. You we keep, keep a, it you all. You keep a little behind the wall? All right, go into your coffee can, and you have to replicate that gift bag for your sister wife, Erin. Okay, this is the sound of a fair. gavel. Jenny and Erin, ladies and gentlemen. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Charlie and Liza. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Tonight, the most important trial of the day. Charlie brings the case against his girlfriend, Liza. He works overnights as a writer and wakes up later in the day than she does. They often disagree about what can be considered breakfast since he eats his breakfast during her lunch. Charlie thinks his schedule and meal names should be taken seriously. Liza thinks he should keep in mind the time of day when naming his meals. <laughs> who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and delivers the obscure cultural reference. I cook about 90 dozen eggs every Saturday and every Sunday, and I enjoy cooking them each time I do it. I like cracking the eggs into a bowl, I like breaking the yolks and whisking them with cream for scrambled eggs. I like watching the ripples form as they cook, and I like the process of gently running my fork through cooked eggs as they create space for the raw egg to get into the pan. When I'm making fried eggs and sunnies, I like hitting the butter into the pan. I like sliding the eggs into the butter. There's nothing else I'd rather be doing. I don't come to the task from a place of drudgery or boredom. I come to it from a place of curiosity and love. To be a good cook, you have to. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, swear them in. Raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he eats only fourth meal? <laughs> I do. I definitely do. Very well. Judge Hodgman? Liza and Charlie, for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors, can either of you identify the piece of culture I referenced as I entered the courtroom? Liza, you are brought here against your will. Can you uh, name it for me? It sounds like something Charlie would write, <laughs> actually. <laughs> um, 
I will guess. Will you guess first? Or you actually can guess second if you want. You can force Charlie to guess first. I'll guess first. Oh, nice. I like that. Well I'll done. I'll guess um, Melissa Waters, maybe? Melissa Waters, a food writer. Yeah. Correct? All yeah. right. Charlie? Is it uh, what, Michael Ruhlman, the cookbook Eggs, maybe? Michael Ruhlman. Ruhlman. Ruhl- I don't know that, but is the cookbook is Eggs? Yeah. All right. Let's put both of those into the guest book and scramble them up. Let me take a look at them. Now they're all dripping with eggs. Disgusting. <laughs> but all guesses are wrong. I was quoting from a different cookbook. The cookbook is called Eat Me by Kenny Shopson of Shopson's General Store and the father of Tamara Shopson, who designed one of the T-shirts in the T-shirt club, uh, who loves cooking eggs and does a really good job of it. And uh, now we have to talk about uh, your penchant for eating breakfast at all hours of the day and night and lunch uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the antipodes. So what's happening with you, Charlie? Why are you eating breakfast at lunchtime? So I work nights, so when I wake up in the, in the morning, but it's actually around 2 p.m. is when I eat breakfast, mm-hmm. and then I follow that meal at an appropriate interval with another meal that I call lunch, and my final meal of the day I call dinner. And when is that usually uh, consumed? Oh, it gets a little bit confusing because working nights is... I tend to eat dinner around dinner time, even right. though that's confusing, but it's, it's more lunch and breakfast to get the strange, the strange time. And when you say you work nights, you're a night watchman, or you work in a mine, or an the, overnight I do the, job in a hospital, or what, what? I do the night shift for a news website. Oh, okay. So you're, you're a writer at right. nights. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so you gather news? Yes, yeah. And so you work from when to when? It varies. Yeah, nine is when I start, usually until about three, sometimes four. This is a terrible existence that you're leading. <laughs> is this what you want in your life? Uh, I want parts of that, not the time. I would prefer to do what I'm doing now in the day for more money and longer hours. Oh. <laughs> what a strange request. <laughs> and how long have you been together? Uh, uh, eight, eight years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Eight, yeah. Eight, eight years considering that you've never slept? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. And Liza, uh, what's your yeah. problem with, uh, with his, his nomenclature about his meals? Oh, well, so it's not so much of an issue if it's... No, it's not. ...us having a meal. <laughs> the, issue, right. the issue comes into play if we're trying to organize something with other people. So we'll call our friends and say, hey, well... Oh, no, he works from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. There are no other people in his life. <laughs> no. It's becoming that way. <laughs> um, partly Just because, because you name a squirrel doesn't make it a person. <laughs> Right. So we'll call a friend at 2 o'clock on a Saturday, and say, Charlie will say, hey, do you want to go out for breakfast? I'll say, what do you mean? No, I just had lunch. <laughs> that ship has sailed. So it's, it's difficult to make plans. Because the um, ships are always sailing. <laughs> How long has this been part of your, this schedule been part of your life, Charlie? Uh, to uh, varying degrees for a long time. I've been doing this job for nine months, but uh, earlier jobs I've done have also been night. And before that, even I did uh, nightlife and food and wine writing. So even then, I'd be doing events in the evening. I'm a I night. See. I'm a night. I've been always been. You're a night person. A night person, even without the job. It yeah. says so right on your resume. Right. Don't, but you can't hire this guy for daytime. Right. Yeah. Uh, do, so, how? But in in your relationship, how long has this gone on? Oh wow. Well, a big chunk of our relationship was like this because I was in Hong Kong and she was here, so actually it was... Then it doesn't matter what you yeah. call your meal. No, it doesn't. Because you yeah. weren't together. Right, yeah. Right, right. But, um, 
Yeah, so for about nine months, maybe probably push it to about a year, maybe. So why don't you okay. just say, when you wake up on a 2 p.m. on a Saturday and you call a friend, why don't you just say, do you want to get something to eat? Well, I mean, that's, that's practically what I do for the most part. It's uh, when I say breakfast, because that comes natural to me and becomes an issue that I feel. It's, it's wrapped up in other things. It's like... It what does like it unwrap that? It marginalizes my, <laughs> my existence. Just because I work at night doesn't mean, you know, it's not a job and my first well, meal is your breakfast. It, it, it like means you're yours, a weird you know. troglodyte. Yeah, right, exactly. Who doesn't participate in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you're saying, you're saying as a matter of personal respect, right, yeah. and people principle. should call lunch breakfast. No, people should allow... Charlie, do you sincerely <laughs> believe that mole men and humans are equal? <laughs> To a point, yes. In terms of eating, yes. Liza, what do you do? I'm a student. A student of what? Of business Weird administration. Weird creatures? <laughs> nighttime creatures? <laughs> At the nighttime, yes. Uh, sorry, you're a student of, of what now? I study business at of, of NYU. At NYU. Mm-hmm. And you guys live in whereabouts? In Fort Greene. In Fort Greene, Brooklyn? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great um, breakfast for lunch places around there. Yeah, yes, there really there are. are. Yeah. <laughs> and has this always been a problem, Liza? Um, off and on. So I think it, it's kind of been an issue throughout his life. I submitted an affidavit from his mother, who would attest to this <laughs> being an ongoing issue. Do we have that uh, affidavit here handy? I hope not. <laughs> no. Oh, but it's been... Can you testify it, to the contents of that affidavit? It was basically her saying it's been frustrating her for many years, and... Uh, Did, you know, she can't always conform to Charlie's theories of time. Well, is it, <laughs> is it more an issue of what the meal is called or when Charlie wants to eat foods? Okay. That's a great question. I know. I only, <laughs> He's a professional. I, I man. only ask the great ones. So for me, honestly, probably the larger issue is he'll eat quote-unquote breakfast at 2 o'clock and then want to have a lunch at 4 before we have dinner at 7. Well, yeah, so it's a, time, it's a meal spacing issue for me more than a nomenclature problem. Mm-hmm. But for him, it's more of a pedantic, I want to be able to call this breakfast because it is literally my breakfast. Okay, walk right. me through your day, Charlie. <laughs> or your, your night, I don't know what did it is. My twilight. Your day, night, yeah. whatever, your schedule. So you're up... Until 3 a.m. Yeah, let's say 3. Gathering and disseminating news on the internet. Right. And then, what are you, where are you working? Uh, on the couch of my apartment. The couch of your apartment, yeah. and, uh, and, and then you go to bed? Yeah, so then I will maybe give myself an hour of television watching. What do you then, watch at that and time? And then go to bed. Uh, I, yesterday, bored to death, to be totally honest. That's <laughs> well chosen. Pandering. I didn't mean that. That doesn't help me now, yeah. but thank you. <laughs> Perhaps with your mastery of space and time, you could. <laughs> All right, and then uh, and then you you fall asleep on the couch. I try not to, uh-huh, but I, it usually happens. Yes, I try you know, to go to right. bed, um, and I always try to set my alarm for eight hours from when I go to sleep. So, so but that would be like f- four in the morning. So let's say four in the morning until noon in in this case. Right, so and then, then you I, get up and eat breakfast. I get up and. Uh, if she's not at school, we'll maybe go out to a meal. If not, I'll just cook. Let's just say in your world. In my right? I'll get up and cook breakfast. Right, and breakfast for you is a three-course turkey dinner. Right, right. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. It, maybe like eggs and sausage. Uh-huh, I'm a pretty right. traditional breakfast eater. Uh, and then we eat lunch maybe three to three and a half hours later from that point. Maybe a little bit longer than that. And then 
dinner. And then dinner comes as late as I can get Liza to eat dinner with me. Which basically. is in your ideal world? Nine would be great. Oh, actually, eight. That way I could start work at nine. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. And, but you eat, you eat traditional breakfast, lunch, and dinner foods right. in well, those? That's, that's not the not problem? As, not as a rule, but, but typically, yeah. Are. So you eat... So you make her eat lunch at 3.30. I don't make her. Then she eats lunch of her own choice each day in between breakfast and dinner at 3.30. Then you have dinner together at 9. Then you work without eating for seven hours. I'll snack a little. Is it like six almonds like President Obama? I, I tried to do a traditional dinner, you know, whatever it would be, five hours, kind of in between meals. And even though I'm used to this schedule by now, eating a meal at midnight or so, I can never feel hungry. It doesn't feel right. It feels, I don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't work for me, and I've tried. And so this, this is what works for my appetites that do I've discovered. You, do, you feel, do you feel respected by your girlfriend? Uh, in almost everything, except for when I say, would you like to get breakfast? And she corrects me. That's pretty much it. And, uh, or lunch. Liza, do you think that if I were to order Charlie to call breakfast lunch and to call lunch dinner mm-hmm. and to call his dinner something he eats after you've gone to bed <laughs> and change that nomenclature and standardize that, that it would in any way address the obvious systematic problems that you guys have between your two schedules. No, right. not at all. Um, I think my request is actually much simpler. If he wants to call it that at home while he's cooking, that's fine. It's more making plans with other people that are generally more on my schedule. You don't want him to force his sick worldview on other people. That's other right. People. I, I've come to accept it, you know, right. that's yeah. part of the deal. I believe in your right to live your life the way you want to live it. You just don't have to be up on my face all the time about it. Yeah, or trying to explain it to other people constantly. Well, that sounds boring. Right. <laughs> yeah, Charlie, yeah it, it gets redundant. Charlie, a quick point of clarification. Are you able to walk safely amongst men? <laughs> yes. Even when the sun is out? <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> what steps are you taking since you, since you are a day walker? What's, what steps, what are, you steps th- are you taking to avoid Blade? <laughs> a lot of mirrors. I have a lot of mirrors in my house. <laughs> Are you are you, you taking, always keep a copy yeah. of a, the tax filing papers? <laughs> it seems to me like your schedules are a little bit untenable and the and that the uh, out of syncness that they uh, experience are, is just going to increase and increase and increase and, until it is uh, unstable. Well, yeah, this is kind of what happened. So I brought this as a basic kind of language. I thought this would be an easy like literal case to rule about what the definition of breakfast is. As soon as oh. I even brought this up. The definition up, of breakfast is bacon and eggs. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all you need to know. Get out of here. Give me my gavel. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then this brought Anytime up. Anytime you have it. Yeah. Breakfast or dinner, that's breakfast. Oh. 
right? Breakfast for lunch, breakfast. Okay. Bacon and eggs for snack, breakfast. So no, nobody wins here. Yeah. Um, so, but then, I, as soon as I brought I, it up... I, I made that ruling on the way over here without meeting you. <laughs> Not about the name. Right. right. Well, originally, it was about the name for me, and then as soon as this became an issue, I discussed with my loved ones and right. friends. It turned out that my schedule was bringing up a lot of emotional reactions with people who are close to me that got wrapped up in this uh, calling meals by certain names. Yeah. And so... I. Uh, it's transformed into a bigger kind of verdict on my entire lifestyle, which is not my original, not my original intent here. <laughs> Liza, when do you wake up in the morning? Uh, around 7.30, And you go, you go to NYU? Uh, yeah, occasionally. And then your, your, your work day ends at about 11.30 in the morning? <laughs> yeah, well, for and instance, you, today it then started you, then you at 1.30. you go 1:30. to the malt shop for a little while, and then you hit the, you hit the books at the library... Something like that. When you, we when should explain that Judge Hodgman went to college in Riverdale. <laughs> when do you go to bed at night? Uh, 11, midnight. Right. And that's just when he's starting to get work, get right. going on work, right? Yeah. So how much time do you guys actually get to experience together uh, well, in a day? So, for instance, today I had class from 1.30 to 4, so... Mm-hmm. 4.30 to... Yeah, who well, know, look, we're who know, right now. Who knows how many weird meals he had during that period of yeah, time? So. I, I don't ask these kinds of questions. <laughs> that's fair. Are you happy, Charlie, with, your, with the way your life is organized? Oh, that's, a, that's a quite a question. Yes. Uh, I'm happy now. I understand that it is not a long-term... Uh, not tenable in a long-term way. But yes, I'm happy at the moment. It seems to have taken a toll on you. Yeah, I'm yeah, I mean, I'm you're tired. hunched over... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm tired. That's true. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, you seem yeah. you seem tired. You uh, you your your eyes are a little sunken. Yeah. You're holding a ring in one hand and constantly stroking it, and <laughs> calling it precious. But I'm doing you, fine. I'm okay. How many of your meals are raw fish that you pull out of an <laughs> underground pool? Uh, quite a few. <laughs> yeah. 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 Are you making an effort to uh, to make your schedule more? Uh, daytime oriented. Oh, yeah, I, yes, I was supposed to have a meeting about that today. That, but, <laughs> but you canceled it to be here. No, it's not my fault. Did you oversleep? No, I, apparently, the way the industry works is they postpone meetings like this when you want to work in the daytime for more hours, over and over again. I don't know what. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you telling me that being a journalist is a hard way to make a living? <laughs> Stop the presses. My fear... But I am being active and making a change appara- in my life. Apparently, this is what... I just want to be clear what you said. Apparently, when you make a meeting in order to explore working during the daytime, they just routinely cancel it. Yeah. I'm like, what? Someone's playing a trick on you. Yes. Yeah, we all work in the daytime. <laughs> it's actually very common. I'm working on it. I'm working been, on it. I fear you've been, you've been working nights for so long yeah. that there's someone gaslighting you go like, no, you know, there are no daytime jobs. I feel, I feel that way myself. Every time you apply for one, they just cancel it. So, gosh, I'm sorry, but you have to stay up all night again. For so, the, so that's pretty close. Somewhere in the main office, there's a guy named Biff who's like, hey, Frank, the mole man just tried to get another meeting. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, nothing available. Here's your daily ration of kerosene. You're not far off. <laughs> well, I hope you work your way up pretty soon. Well, thank what would you. you have me order if I were to find in your favor? Oh, to see, I want something very basic. I want an understanding that the, it's appropriate for me to consider in my life the first meal of my day as breakfast, the second meal as lunch, and the third as dinner. And the actual time that the meals take place 
doesn't isn't doesn't matter in the way I refer to them myself, right. including like social. Yeah, but you have you have freedom within your own mind, like okay. any like, okay. like like any perpetual prisoner. Right. Yes. You can. Have, <laughs> You can imagine that your that your walls are a beautiful sunset. Okay, I would say w- within a within a limited group of people, maybe my mother and my girlfriend, uh, I would be able. I would like to be able to vocalize my reality and live as if I were not a freak. <laughs> I hope. I hope if you ever get married, you work that into your vows. <laughs> Liza, what would you have me order if I were to find in your favor? <laughs> Just. Simply when making social plans to follow social conventions, instead of having me explain the difference in Charlie's timing to everyone every weekend. <laughs> and this happens every weekend? It's frequent. So, in other words, when Charlie comes out of his cave <laughs> desiring sustenance and says, let's call a friend and invite him to breakfast, you want him to say lunch instead. Yeah, or a meal. I would settle for a meal. <laughs> Just for a meal. Yeah. Specificity. Okay. okay. I think I've heard everything that I need to. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, crawl into my underground cavern and consider this uh, very carefully. I'll be back in a moment with my decision. Please rise metaphorically as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. <laughs> Charlie, did I hear you say just now specificity? <laughs> Ellipsis. Yeah, I, I, caught, I caught myself. I am just impressed that you managed to, through a, just a brilliant linguistic maneuver, conflate Judge Hodgman's famous catchphrase, specificity is the soul of narrative, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, brevity is the soul of wit, <laughs> by making briefer, wow. It was, it was good work. It was good work. Um, Thank you. Liza, do you, do you feel like this causes a lot of strife in your social life that you have to explain your husband's lifestyle choices? Um, I don't mean, strife might be overly generous, but it's just more redundant than it is, you know, difficult. It's just, yeah, the repetitive nature of having to explain what each meal is that has gotten to me over the years. I'm happy to explain it for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, you're going to have to make some friends of your own. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what this is coming to. <laughs> it seems like the two of you are very happy otherwise, though. I think so. Yeah. Charlie, <laughs> when we're not eating. Charlie, you th- <laughs> do you think that if the judge rules in your favor, you'll finally get that meeting you've been angling for? <laughs> Fingers I crossed. Hope so. Yeah. Well, we'll see what Judge Hodgman has to say. Please rise metaphorically as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Well, one solution presents itself very nicely, which is, of course, whenever you eat bacon and eggs, that is breakfast. And so if you eat that at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that is breakfast, and you can call it such, and there's no problem. And as long as we stipulate to that, we can say that your first meal is breakfast, and I can rule in your favor in that regard. For the other thing, we call in, call in the... what uh, Lunch? Lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Calling dinner lunch, and then whatever moon food you eat in the middle of the night, whatever glowing mushrooms you eat with the Morlocks at the center of the earth. <laughs> Dinner. And, force, and especially forcing Liza to conform to a very uh, late and unusual eating pattern um, uh, merely to feel human. 
that is both um, uh, uh, unallowable but also terribly sad. Uh, I take pity on you, poor creature. Uh, (laughs) I think that you are attempting to normalize a situation that you are increasingly realizing is uh, not healthy for you and not what you want in your life and is not what is going to ultimately provide happiness for you and Liza together. You you need to stand up to the LOI who are keeping you down (laughs) beneath the earth and are telling you, nope, no more room up here on the surface. (laughs) Go back down, go back down into the deep and eat your night food. You need, you need to make a change in your life that is more than simply relabeling meals. And I think that you know this to be true. Is that so? Yes. Right, okay. So in the meantime, however, you know, I was going to rule against you. Um, but, you know, how, how, can, how can I further, <laughs> further debase this pitiable creature? <laughs> All he wants to do is come to Mordor with us and show us the way. <laughs> I know it might be a mistake to trust him and he might murder me down the road, but I feel a kinship with him and I want to travel this road with him for a while. So I will allow this basic accommodation to your strange lifestyle. Hey. For... <laughs> Let the record show the defendant raised a withered arm and gave, gave the, a weak hooray. The, the celebration cry of the mole man. First meal after you awaken may be called breakfast by you and referred to by you as such and all others must conform to your weird way of life. But after that, normal meal names. Second meal and third meal can just be called food. Would you like to have food at this hour? 4 p.m. food, 6 p.m. food, and also let Liza eat dinner when she wants to. And also, keep watching Bored to Death. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure if another seven or eight of you buy the DVDs, season four is just around the corner. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgson rules that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Charlie and Liza. Well, Judge Hodgman. Yes, Jesse Thorne, bailiff, my bailiff. We could just we could just run our mouths all night, but I feel like we have this dope ass band here tonight. I'd like to hear some more from the Pitch Black Brass Band, wouldn't you all? Ladies and gentlemen, the Pitch Black Brass Band. Ladies and gentlemen sitting, please literally rise for the Pitch Black Brass Band.
Our thanks to the Pitch Black Brass Band for playing us some amazing music in Brooklyn. Like, for real, they tore the house down. Find them at pitchblackbrassband.com. That's black, B-L-A-K. They got some East Coast tour dates in February. They're working on a new album coming soon. Uh, They are a live experience that is not to be missed. I mean, they just melted the walls. Thanks also to the litigants who shared their disputes with us and to the staff at the Bell House for their help. Sarah Jane D. and Teddy H. named this week's cases. The show was produced by Danielle Davis, Matthew Barnhart, and, of course, the one and only Jennifer Marmer. Tickets are going quickly for Max FunCon and Max FunCon East. Visit MaxFunCon.com for more information. Very, very fun day in Chicago is sold out, but, 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 there will be tickets at the door. Don't despair. If you really want to be there, just show up. It's going to start at noon. It's going to be great. If you've got a case for Judge John Hodgman, submit it at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. And if you're like on the fence about it, like is this important enough? Is this good enough? I don't know. Just send it in. We'll decide. That's our job. MaximumFun.org slash JJHo. If you want to email us, it's Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jesse Thorne, J-E-S-S-E-T-H-O-R-N. And John Hodgman is at Hodgman. We'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.